0: and your love for others would be seen and heard. Chapter 9. will be in verses 24 to 27. No joke, this is one of the greatest prophetic passages in Scripture. And so I'm excited to spend some time with you in this passage. Uh, The title of today's message is Forever Computing. And I chose this title because this passage requires a lot of math. Um, God computed uh, from the beginning a certain amount of days. And we're going to do a lot of adding and uh, multiplying and some division. And we are going to see that God's prophecies are so true and precise and you can trust him. And I promise that this will, be, um, this will be a Palm Sunday to remember. That Palm Sunday when the pastor dude preached from... What? That's not a Palm Sunday passage, is it? Daniel... Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. So this passage is traditionally called Daniel's 70 Weeks. And um, if, if you are type A and want structure within um, a message, we're going to spend the first half of our time talking about Daniel's 69 weeks. And then we're going to spend the rest half of the message talking about Daniel's 70th week. And, uh, and we're going to summarize it like this. This is the timeless truth. So these, these, these two divisions, Daniel's 69 weeks, Daniel's 70th week, uh, is not just to be like, oh, sweet, I understand all these all these technicalities in Scripture better. Let's go to lunch. But they, both of these two things, the sixty-nine weeks, the seventy weeks, are going to provoke and uh, cause the believer to certain things. Um, it's it's going it's going to be efficacious. It's it's going to work. It's not a stagnant text. No passage of Scripture is. So here's here's the summary in a sentence. God's timeline calls us to behold Jesus as king. That's the first 69 weeks. And be ready for his return. And that's the 70th week. Are you there in Daniel 9 with me? Let's read verse 24. We'll start our time. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city, to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Pause. Okay, so 70 weeks, literally 77s, so we get the translation seventy weeks from the King James version, and we just kind of stuck with it because it was just it was just tradition, right? Um, but really, it's seventy sevens. Daniel is thinking in years. He just got uh, off of talking about seventy years in captivity, and so he's thinking 70 sevens as it relates to years. And so the first math problem is what is 70 times 7? And we would say, okay, carry the one. It's a 490. Okay, so this is a prophecy. It's God telling Daniel, hey, I'm going to do something. And all these things that we just read in verse 23, they're going to happen in 490 years. And Daniel's like, sweet. And so the church is like, sweet. Do you want to see them unfold? I do. Let's do it together. Okay. So regardless of what you got on your ACT in the math portion, I promise you're going to love this passage. You just got to hang with it because you're going to see that God really likes precision. Let's fly through verse 24 right now together. Okay. 70 weeks. That's 77s. Uh, Uh, 490 years are decreed about your people and your holy city. Meaning, these things are for Jerusalem and Israel. Okay? The city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. Verse 24 says, to finish the transgression. We're just walking through verse 24. That is, to end the apostasy of the Jews. Okay? It says, to put an end to sin, or other translations say, to seal it up. Meaning, God is going to judge sin with finality. He's going to bring it to completion. It says to atone for iniquity. That means to cover and to pay for sins. It says to bring an everlasting righteousness. That means to usher in an age of righteousness that where all peoples will be in right standing with God. And that will last forever. To seal both vision and prophet. That would be to fulfill the prophecies that were given to the Jewish people and Jerusalem. And then to anoint the most holy place. So the holy place would be the temple. And so at the end of this prophecy, that God is going to restore the temple in Jerusalem as the rightful place of the center for worship for the world. That's the purpose of the 70 weeks. That's verse 24. Let's see when this begins, okay? This is God telling Daniel an unfolding time for him. Let's look at verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seventy weeks. then for sixty two weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat, but a troubled time. okay, so um, we are gonna put a timeline up on the screen screen for you okay don't don't worry about like all like the the latter half of it and don't get intimidated, okay um, so what? we want to display is the, is the left half of this, um, right now. Okay. So we're asking when did this 490 week, uh, 490 year time period begin? Okay. You see in the text it says 62 weeks, and then it says seven weeks or seven years. So something happens for 49 years. That's seven sevens. So it's seven times seven, 49. And then something happens um, for 62 sevens. So that'd be 62 times seven, 434 years. Okay. Let's start with the very first line. When did this whole 490 years begin? Verse 25 says from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem. Okay. All right. So hang with me. Here we go. So in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is a little bit downcast. Okay. This is in chapter two. Uh, the king, his name is King Artaxerxes at the time. The king asked him, Nehemiah, why are you so downcast? And he goes, well, like I'm a builder. I just want to build stuff. Guys, anyone there with me? I just want to turn a wrench. His heart was, I want the Lord to like restore Jerusalem again and so he tells King Artaxerxes I want to go back to Jerusalem and I want to rebuild the temple I want to rebuild the walls the people need to go back Nehemiah Ezra uh, Daniel remember all these guys all these books they're not happening in Jerusalem they're in exile okay so they're all wanting to go back home he tells King Artaxerxes this Kings Artaxerxes goes, let's send you back. And so he issued a decree to send the people of God, the nation of Israel, back from Babylon in exile, back to the Holy Land, back to Israel, back to Jerusalem. And that ushered in this wave of God's people coming back to Israel. Some stayed in Babylon, But how I remember it is that Ezra came back and rebuilt the people. Nehemiah came back and rebuilt the walls. And Zerubbabel rebuilt the temple. That's how I just memorized it, okay? And so those waves occurred. When did Daniel's prophecy start? When Artaxerxes said, Go back, he decreed a word. And that's when the 490 years began. Um, I straight up looked looked in uh, Encyclopedia Britannica for when that date occurred. When is the acceptable date? When does everyone without question know when that date happened? This is not just like cool pastor-like application. This is historical fact. When did that happen? Because if we know that date, then we can either go, is God trustworthy with his precision and prophecy? Or is it just like some spiritual, mystical, like cool thing that God's talking to his people? Encyclopedia Britannica said that the issuing of the decree happened on March 14th, 445 B.C. Nehemiah chapter 2 records that, that date as the 20th year of Artaxerxes in the month of Nisan. Okay? And so here we go. We have people coming back from the decree, starting that first line, and they are to rebuild the temple. The temple took 49 years to rebuild. That would be seven sevens. Seven times seven. So it ended down by that light switch over there, at 396 B.C. That's when the temple was rebuilt. Well, what is the next date according to this timeline if the decree happened, the temple was built, and then 62 sevens occur before... What does our text say? It says, before the coming... Note the verb, the coming... Of the anointed one. Okay, now some of you, just by the judging your faces, you look a lot like I looked when my wife and I went to a tile store uh, this past week. Um, I walked in, there were so many options, and my eyes started glazing over, and I had to go like this Wait, good husbands like tile. Okay, <laughs> I need to be, I need to be engaged. I like this one, sweetheart. Let's get this one, right? Okay, so. Um, don't don't go all tile store on me, okay? Here's where the most math comes in, okay? So if we go sixty-two times seven, we've got four hundred and thirty-four years, okay? Four hundred and thirty-four years plus forty-nine years equals a total of four hundred and eighty-three years. So we're asking when exactly from March 14th to 483 years later, what happened on that day? 483 years times 360. That's prophetic years. That's that's how the Jewish calendar operates. 12 months, 30 days a month, 360 days a year equals... Um, uh, 173,880. That number is the precise days until the Messiah is presented in this passage. Okay? Um, if you took 173,880 and you, you just added to March 14th, the day that the issue was decreed in 445 B.C., you would come up with April 6th of 32 A.D., 32 A.D., okay? Um, Could we show the side just uh, of the proof on our calendar? This is a, a different slide for a moment. So here's the math being charted out, and it says that 445 B.C. to 32 A.D. is 476 years. This is skipping the year zero, because it's really not a year, okay? So B.C. 1 to A.D. 1 is one year. So if we're to take 476 times 365, which is how we do our calendar, you'd get 173,740 And then you got to account for leap years, okay? And we're doing this not to be cool or just to be mathematical, but does God really know what he's doing? Does he really know what he's saying? Even though the Bible wasn't written in a scientific age, does he know? And if he doesn't, then he's just like a dude in the sky. He's like the man of sin. If he does know, you can trust him. So if you add for leap years, that would be 116 days three less in four centuries because you can't divide it by 400 if it's not divisible by 400 with regards to four centuries, okay? And then March 14th to April 6, 24 days. We're really asking what happened then if that is the correct date. If these, are the, if these calculations lead us to April 6th of 32 AD, what happened on that day? Does the Bible know? Because if you just glance at it, you're like, yeah, okay. I think, I mean, that's like within the time frame of Jesus. I don't think that was his birth. You're thinking, what happened right, right around that day? It says the coming of the anointed. So that's not his death. Or also what has said it. Luke 3.1 says that in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, which, which uh, again, Encyclopedia Britannica says that that, uh, that is the year uh, 14 AD. So if we add 15 years to the date of Luke 3, 1, the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, we get where Jesus starts his public ministry at year 29 AD. His public ministry lasted for three years. That puts us towards the end of 32 AD. So once again, what happened on April 6th in the year 32 AD? If you would, turn your Bibles to Luke 19 with me. And let's start in verse 28 together. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's in the New Testament. And when he had said these things, this is Jesus now, he went up on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, here's verse 30 if you're catching up with us, Go into the village in front of you where on entering you will find a colt on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this. I love this line. The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. 36. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now let's just pause there. So long ago, before March 6th, 32 AD, 483 years prior to this event, God told his people that a Messiah would come. And to the day, Jesus entered in riding on a colt, and he received the glory and the praise that was due to his name. I'd like to read you a couple things that happened there. It's uh, it's on a slide for us. It says, As fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah 9-9, Jesus presented himself that day publicly as king as he rode into Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey. Previous to this event, he repeated his plea, Don't tell anyone, my time has not yet come. You think Jesus was thinking about Daniel 9? As fulfillment of Psalm 118, the people shouted, Blessed is he. And watch this. Jesus wept because he said, Jerusalem, you did not recognize the time, parentheses, the day of your visitation. I hope that informs your reading of Scripture. Because that, my friends, is Daniel's 69 weeks. Again, that's not just for head knowledge, but that, that, that pulls us uh, towards his heart in two ways. The first one would be this question. Does it cause you to trust God's word? Do you trust God's word more than when you walked in here today? Um, I love uh, Proverbs 30, verse 5. It says, Every word of God is true, and it is a shield to those who trust in Him. I love that one. That you can take refuge. You can find protection by trusting in the Word. This week in our community groups, we're going to ask, is there any portion of God's Word that that you're just struggling to trust these days? It's a great question. And here's number two. Does everything in your life fall under the reign of King Jesus? That's Palm Sunday, folks. Like that's the point of Daniel's 69 weeks. That he came in riding on a colt and presented himself as King. Jesus, the Messiah. He's the one. And all the people said, blessed is he. And so just a great question on Palm Sunday is, hey, is your life? screaming out that message, blessed is he. Your actions, your thoughts, everything that you are, are you saying with your life, blessed is Jesus, he's my king. Let's look at Daniel's 70th week. Would would your eyes find verse 26 with me? And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. So before the 69th week, before the 483 years has ended, two things have to happen according to this verse. One, the Messiah has got to get cut off Um, And we know that to be his crucifixion, that Jesus died. We're going to celebrate it on Friday, the ramifications of that. Um, So the Messiah has got to get cut off for the 69 weeks to end. Also, what has to happen is the temple needs to be destroyed and the city needs to be laid in ruin. Those are the two things that has to happen. So let's take a look again at our timeline again. Notice 483 years occur. Uh, Jesus comes, crosses cross is there, and then it's cut off. And then in 70 AD, we see the temple being destroyed by a guy named Titus, who is a Roman. Let's go to verse 27. Can we just keep this up here? Look in your Bibles at verse 27. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half of the week, he shall put an end to sacrifice and suffering. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. Well, that's clear, isn't it? Okay, well, let's, let's get into it, okay? Here we go. Uh, so this is where we get uh, what we call the prophetic parentheses. This, there's a gap between Daniel's 69th week and Daniel's 70th week. This gap is what the New Testament writers called a mystery. It's called the church age. It's called the age of the Gentiles. After uh, Jesus died on the cross, rose again, He ascended, He sent someone very special. You guys know who it was? He sent the Holy Spirit. And the the church, uh, forgive me, the, the people of God no longer went to the temple at a physical location to worship God. But Jesus sent the Spirit to occupy each individual believer, and they themselves became the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when Pentecost happened, when tongues of fire came on people's heads, and they spoke languages Two people, and and they went out from there. The church began because they were marked by the Spirit, and Jews and Gentiles alike all started coming to Christ. Now we learned from Romans that there was this partial veiling of the Jews, and so there's this extraordinary age where especially multitudes of Gentiles, anyone who is not a Jew, started coming to Christ. Early church had to figure it out. What's going on? How do we handle this? How do we handle there was councils and things like that. But in general, this new age started that the Old Testament prophets didn't know about. And it's the age of the church. The age that we're in right now. And that's where we are. Well... Let's talk about the age of the church. It's a wonderful age. It says in verse 28, "Find it with your eyes that this age will also be marked by war and desolation to the end. When will it end, though? So we, so far, if you're like, want it in a word or two, Daniel's 69 weeks, past. Daniel's 70th week, yet to come, future. When's it going to come? That's why I put a question mark, AD, down here, okay? We know when it's going to start in terms of actions. We don't know the date yet. Let me read what's going to happen. Verse 27 And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. Okay, so he refers to the prince, this new prince. And this is not Jesus, because we know that Jesus, the Messiah, who was referred to as Prince earlier in the chapter, was what? He was cut off. So it's not Jesus, it's someone else. But obviously this other guy deserves some sort of title to be called Prince. Like he must either beckon it or he stepped into some sort of position where the world is recognizing him as Prince leader. This is where we would get um, our understanding of the antichrist. And look at it. It happens in one week. Do you see it in that text? So remember Daniel's 77s. This so it says one week. One week is how many years? All right, we got it. Yes, yeah, 7 years. So this is where we would get our understanding of a 7-year tribulation, okay? So it is going to be marked By the Antichrist making a covenant with Israel. And that will start the seven years. Look at verse 29 again. Halfway through the week. So that would be seven divided by two. Which would be, come on math majors, three and a half. There we go, 3.5. Or in Revelation, it says 42 months. Don't you love how God's specific? 42 months. He's going to have an agreement with Israel. And then halfway through the time, he'll break that agreement. Three and a half years later, Christ will defeat the Antichrist. And he'll come. Isn't that a beautiful news? Look at that downward arrow. The upward arrow means Jesus ascended. Downward arrow. That's when Jesus comes back you want to stay after and ask me when i think the church will be raptured you can totally stay after or i can just tell you you want me to tell you i think it's before the tribulation i don't think because he's making a covenant with israel i don't think the church will be there okay but that's not a bullet to take or a hill to die on but uh, i think there's some good arguments for it so remember though when we started studying prophecy We said it's not about the charts, guys. It's not about like all the numbers, all the like specifics, um, so that you can get smarter and know all the answers and like refute things. The purpose of prophecy is holiness. And to know all this causes the believer to be ready. Will you be ready? There's a certain urgency that comes, because Jesus, the truth of it is, and this is is in all of historical Christian creeds that Jesus is coming back, and what is all agreed upon is that when he comes back, that he will reign, and that we will reign with him in the millennial kingdom, which is For a thousand years. In Revelation it says that he'll come. And he'll set up shop for a thousand years. And this is where it comes full circle. In verse 24 you say that he'll start an everlasting righteousness. That he's going to come. And he is going to lead and model. Here on earth. For a thousand years. What it's like to be under a righteous ruler. No corruption. No tears. No pain. The kingdom will come. It will come in political power. And who will be at the top? King Jesus. After the thousand years, Jesus is going to throw Satan in the lake of fire. He's going to burn forever. There will be a final judgment. And then he'll start the eternal state, which has no end. And we will be with him in glory forever. But for now, we're not there yet, are we? For now, we have a job to do. And the job is urgent. We're in the church age. I don't think we've met the Antichrist yet. There's been no covenant with Israel. And so our job is the Great Commission. And so I would just encourage you guys to consider this this week. Um, what, is, what does the Lord have for you like, to do with this? How will you respond uh, to this age and this time with your number of days that he has appointed for you? To be specific, is there anyone who does not know Jesus in your life, neighbors, friends, family, that causes you like, wow, Palm Sunday. I was just thinking palms and like Jesus and, and we would sing nice. Wow, he's coming back. There's an urgency, and I'm compelled now to tell blank, to tell this person. I think the Lord would have you do that. Would you pray about that? Would you consider who's lost in your life, what spheres of influence the Lord has given you uh, so that you can share your faith and take part in the great commission for Jesus Christ? Uh, we're going to sing a song to close our time together. Worship team, would you come on up? Um And uh, this is called Christ is mine forevermore. Let me just read uh, a line in there. It starts off like this, that mine are days that God has numbered and I was made to walk with him. And I think that as as we wrap up our time, that, that God is about the business of computing. He gave Daniel 69 weeks. He gave 70 weeks. And he also gave you a certain number of days to live. It said that, and it says in Hebrews that your days are numbered and uh, they've been appointed. And so, what would you do with the number of days? He's right in your story. How can you glorify him and live uh, for his return? So, would you stand with us and let's sing together. Mm-hmm.